0: Welcome to the Mount Carmel Christian Church Podcast. In our sermon series Alive, we're taking a look at how we can embrace the daily resurrection life Jesus provides for us. Today's speaker is teaching minister, Tim Peace. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to our Good Friday service. We wanted to begin this service in song, celebrating this moment that normally isn't one that we think about in terms of celebration, and we wanted to start with communion. But I want to read a passage from an odd place for you. It's from Leviticus, and it's from chapter 16, verse 29 through 34. It says this, it says, This is to be a lasting ordinance for you on the tenth day of the seventh month, you must deny yourselves and not do any work, whether native-born or a foreigner residing among you, because on this day, atonement will be made for you, to cleanse you. Then, before the Lord, you will be cleaned from all your sins. It is a day of Sabbath rest, and you must deny yourselves. It is a lasting ordinance The priest who is anointed and ordained to succeed his father as high priest is to make atonement. He is to put on the sacred linen garments and make atonement for the most holy place, for the tent of meeting and the altar and for the priests and all the members of the community. This is to be a lasting ordinance for you. Atonement is to be made once a year for all the sins of the Israelites. You see, this is actually the the place where, where the bread and the wine starts. I know this because it's where it starts for Paul. Paul the apostle, Paul the Pharisee turned great missionary of the church. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he talks about what this atonement means in light of Jesus. Starting in verse 17, he says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. See, when we come to the table as a family, as a church family, and we take the bread, and we take the cup, and we eat the bread, and we drink from the cup, we remember the atoning sacrifice for all sacrifice. And here's the beauty of this, that passage in Leviticus, that sacrifice that was done annually was done to mark the end of one year and to be the beginning of a new. The sacrifice that Jesus made at the cross is an opportunity for us to be made new, new creations and to become ambassadors for God. So I'm gonna ask now that you come forward to the table Come gather around as a family or with friends and take the bread and drink the juice. And remember not only what Jesus did on this night at the cross, but the fact that because he paid the cost, we have come alive to answer the call. Come forward. Howdy. I always forget the mute button. You may be seated. So thank you all for being here. Good Friday. I wanted to start with a parable. A parable from the Gospel of Matthew. It's a parable that Jesus told to the religious leaders. He had been in a little bit of a scuffle with them, and he won round one and decided to keep going. And he tells this story. And I I just want you to hear this and reflect on this for a moment. He, He says, with a question, he says, what do you think? There was a man who had two sons. And he went to the first and said, son, go and work today in the vineyard. I will not, he answered. But later, he changed his mind and went. Then the father went to the other son and said the same thing. He answered, I will, sir. But he did not go. Now, which of the two did what the father wanted, Jesus asked. Now, like I said, this was a parable that was meant to chastise the religious leaders that were around Jesus. But what's always interesting to me about this particular parable is, is that if you look closely enough into that little story, you find Jesus. You find Jesus there. Because you see, in this story, we think of Jesus waiting, praying, in the garden of Gethsemane on the night that he was about to be betrayed. And do you know what his prayer was? Lord, take this cup From me, yet not my will, but your will be done. See, Jesus knew the cost, he knew what he was facing, and he didn't want to pay it, but he did anyway. Jesus had gone through the agony there in the Garden of Gethsemane. And his closest followers, they chickened out and they ran when his captors came. The people that he came to preach to, that he came to love, rejected him. The religious leaders convicted him. The Roman authorities condemned him to death. He was accused of blasphemy against God by the Jewish leaders and he was accused of rebellion as a zealous would-be king by the romans and the gospel of john presents jesus final moment as he hangs on the cross like this in chapter 19 verses 28 through 30 it says later knowing that everything had now been finished And so that the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. And a jar of wine vinegar was sitting there, so they soaked a sponge in it, and they put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant, and they lifted it to Jesus' lips. And when he had received the drink, Jesus said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. The cost. Here is Jesus, the son that didn't want to go, but he went anyway. Hanging on a cross, incapable of breathing, literally dying, of thirst. And the last words to fall from his lips, right here, it is finished. So when we come together on Good Friday, we have to ask the question what exactly was finished at this brutal end of Jesus' life? Was his life finished? Yes. How about his mission? Maybe. Yes, his life on that cross came to completion that night. But what did he accomplish? Because to everyone around, Jesus received the same punishment as any other would-be Messiah in the time. And yet Jesus, unlike the others, paid the cost for something.
1: Jesus tells us in John chapter 14, verses 15 through 19, If you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you before long, The world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In John chapter 14, the disciples of Jesus are, they're flooding him with questions of how, what, when, why can't we go to? See, the disciples have come to a point where they have followed Jesus for so long where Jesus has been their their guiding light. The disciples have been around when when Jesus has taught some pretty incredible things, some some radical things, far different than they've ever been taught before. The disciples have been present for some life-changing miracles. And day by day, they're getting to the the spot where things are not going to be the same. The thought of not having Jesus in flesh and blood was quite possibly the scariest thought that the disciples could have ever had. Yet, because of the cross, yet because Jesus stated, it is finished, Jesus was inviting his disciples into something so much greater than himself. In John chapter 14, verses 12, it says, Very truly I tell you, Whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. For the disciples, it's how can we do something greater than feed 5,000 people with only a few loaves of bread and a few fish? How, How can we do something greater than heal the blind? How can we do something greater than raise the dead to life? The ministry of Jesus, it didn't go far beyond the borders of Palestine. And so the greater that Jesus is talking about, it's to take this to the ends of the earth. It's to take this, the the message of Jesus, the story of Jesus, the good news, the gospel, and to share it with your neighbors. Right here in John 14, we can... We can kind of see what what God truly values we can see the call of the disciples we can see the mission that God is calling you and I to if you love me keep my commands and I will ask the father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever the spirit of truth the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. For he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you before long. The world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live. You also will live. That's our call. Love God. Keep his commands. Take God's love for humanity and share it with our neighbors the same eternal life that jesus would soon demonstrate is the same eternal life that jesus promised his disciples and it's the same eternal life that he's promised you and i
0: i did it again man i have problems anybody in here ever heard the phrase it pays to be the king Four? Yeah? Anyone? That's a kind of common phrase. It pays to be the king. Well, you know the funny thing about that phrase? Is actually, according to the Bible, if one is a good king, it actually costs something to be king. The one that comes to mind when I think about it costing someone to be king is, is the Old Testament shepherd of Israel, David. If you remember David's story, God anointed David to be king. He was the youngest of his family, last picked, but first picked by God. And yet, though God anointed him as king, the guy that was presently on the throne at the time was not too pleased about David being anointed king. In fact, that man, Saul, hounded David, chased him, sought his ruin and destruction. And the funny thing about David is is David was both a warrior and a, a poet or a, a songwriter. And one of the cool things about that is in our Bibles, we have some of the songs that David wrote. And David wrote about a lot of different things. But there was a a theme that shouldn't be surprising when you consider his history that came up time and time again in his writings. It was the theme of the plea to God for rescue from his enemies. And then in in moments of of full transparency for David, some of his songs contained exasperation on his part at his perception that God had abandoned him. I want you to listen to some of his words in Psalm 69. In one verse he says, I am worn out calling for help. My throat is parched. My eyes fail looking for God. Or, for I endure scorn for your sake and shame covers my face. Or how about this one in 20 and 21? 21. Scorn has broken my heart and has left me helpless. I looked for sympathy, but there was none. For comforters, but I found none. They put gall in my food and gave me vinegar for my thirst. You know, it's interesting that we read from Psalm 69 because When you reflect on the things that David said, you start to notice something when you read the story of Jesus hanging on that cross. Jesus was a good king too, and he said the same things as David. Listen again. He said later, knowing that everything had now been finished and so that the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty His throat was parched like David with his destruction at hand. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked the sponge in it and put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant and lifted it to Jesus' lips. They gave him vinegar to drink, just like David's enemies And the reason is, the reason Jesus utters these words, you know they called him the son of David in the Gospels, is because it costs something to be king. In fact, the good king, the good shepherd, Jesus, once said that greater love has no other expression than this, that one would lay down his life for the benefit of his friends. David The shepherd king was chased all the way to his throne. Jesus, the son of David, no, the son of God, was nailed to his throne. (laughs) But like David, he was not abandoned there. He was not abandoned there. See, like David... God was there for him. God does not abandon his king. And God does not abandon any object of his love. And that includes you and me and Aaron, too. (laughs) See, To be a good king costs something. It costs David something, and it ultimately cost Jesus something. It costs his life at the cross. Jesus paid the cost to be king.
1: John 17, 1-5 reads, After Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people, that he might give eternal life to all those who have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. Just previous to this, Jesus had uttered some words that his disciples never wanted to hear. You're going to scatter each to your own home, and you're going to leave me all alone. These are the disciples that have come to adore Jesus these are the disciples that have come to follow and devote their life to Jesus these are the disciples that could never imagine ever abandoning Jesus yet Jesus tells them that's exactly what's going to happen but Jesus also comforts his disciples these men that he loves says I want you to know that I've come to offer you peace I want you to also know that you are going to have trouble in life I want you to know that life is going to be difficult, but I want you to take heart because I've already overcome the world. And at that, Jesus lifts his eyes toward heaven, which would have been a typical posture of prayer for the Jewish person, and he prays to his Father. And I think it's so easy to forget, at least for me, that Jesus, while he lived out his life on earth, this, this man who was fully God, 100% God, yet also fully human, 100% human, while he lived out his call, while he lived out his mission on earth, still found it a priority to pray to his Father. And in John 17, we, we see this intimate and emotional prayer between Jesus and his Father where he is essentially evaluating his life. See, Jesus came to defeat evil. Jesus came to offer redemption. Jesus came to show and to teach grace. The whole career of Jesus on earth revolved around honoring his father. And in this prayer, he's saying, God, I've lived my life in honor of you. And I just pray that you receive me back. Jesus faced many obstacles throughout his ministry. In his last days, he could have refused death. He could have refused the cross, in turn escaping death. Yet he resolved himself to finish his call, to finish his mission here on earth. See, Jesus paid the cost so that we could answer the call. The beauty in the story is it doesn't end at the cross. Like the cross was just the beginning. Jesus paid the cost so that we could answer the call. Jesus is inviting us, the church, his believers, Christ's followers, to embark on a beautiful adventure with him. And that's why this is a good Friday. Pray with me. God, I I thank you for the cross. But I am even more thankful that the cross was just the beginning. God, you paid the cost so that we could answer the call. And God, I pray as people in this room and as Christians all over the world, God, we take the necessary steps to embark on this beautiful adventure that you've called us to. We love you, Lord. It's your name I pray. Amen.
0: Thank you for listening. You can interact with us online at our website, www.mtcarmelchurch.org. Also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.